Welcome back, Seahawks fans, to another episode of the Seahawks Nest Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Sano, joined, as always, by the Luigi Mario, to my Mario Mario. It's Kevin Garber. Kevin, how you doing? Uh, I'm pretty happy because green is my favorite color. All right, yeah, that's a good color to pick. And uh, our very own Yoshi, that's right. We throw him off a cliff and we need to jump a little higher. It's Eric Ronenbeck. Eric, <laughs> how are you doing? <laughs> nice curveball. That yeah. was really great. You didn't I, see that coming, did you? No, no, that works. That works. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, so anyway, uh, we are here, as always. Looking at the Seahawks news, where we've been, we've been keeping our ear to the ground three days into training camp. That's right. So we've got all your good training camp stories, the best training camp stories. You know, you might say that these training camp stories are the uh, the greatest. You literally sound stories. like Russell Wilson right now. All right, here we go. Um, first big one: Dwayne Brown contract extension, get it done. Left tackle, lockdown, next three years. Uh, takes him to his age thirty-four season, thirty-five. Uh, It'll be 36. 36, okay. So, uh, yeah, right. He's 33 he's now. 30, he's turning 33 for the next season. Yeah, so then we got three more years. Uh, I'm a big fan of this uh, this deal. I think it, it, it'll it work real good. So well, His cap hit is under $10 million for a top 10 left tackle. Yeah. Like, yeah. even if he's older, uh, he was responsible for our best spot for running last year, according to um, Football Outsiders. Uh, we were 21st in the NFL running off the left end, which sucks. But that's still five spots better than we were running from any other position, where we ranged from 26th to 31st. Oh, excuse me, 32nd. So we were terrible everywhere except for when we ran straight behind him, and we only had him for half a season. All right. So, Eric, do you think the offensive line is going to make a big jump this year? Like, what are your expectations right now for the offensive line? Okay, so that's two different questions, I think. Because you said, what do I think? What are my expectations? My expectations are a pretty big jump. I believe that Dwayne Brown, with a full offseason of conditioning, because he didn't have that last year, and a new deal and consistency with this franchise, uh, that's that's big. That's something yeah. that you know you really can't underplay. So there's like a, a schism in the national media that you kind of hinted at right there, where some national media guys say, like, this offensive line is dog shit and it's going to be terrible and then other people are like are saying what you said which is that Dwayne Brown with uh, full workouts and stuff is going to be a different player this year and really improve the offensive line and there's kind of like a like a NFL Twitter battle about it almost like I've seen different writers just on completely different sides of the fence I don't know where you fall because you used to have the one good offensive lineman theory and I don't know if you stick to that oh oh yes okay so there's that on top of that, I believe that we will have some improvement, even if it's minute, among the rest of the line. We have a new offensive line coach in Mike Solari. That is big. I mean, let's let's look at Tom Cable for a second. Now look away. Things are a lot better, okay? <laughs> so those three things, neither of those three things are small. These The minor improvements are small, but if you look at Justin Britt, I just want consistency at center. Next, uh, Dwayne Brown, two spots over on the left. That's awesome. If we get any sort of growth from the other spots, that is a huge upgrade. Now, that's my expectation. What do I think's going to happen? Man, I don't know. For the last three, four seasons, it's been like, well, I expect some improvement. I don't know. Uh, man, I don't know. It's... It's, I don't, like, I don't want to like sit your, here. That's not like your bread impression. I know I did, yes. but that's just really my hopeless against the offensive line impersonation. So I'll say this. The Seahawks have every reason to improve on the offensive line this year and to shock the world, but I, I don't want to be over-optimistic because I really don't want to get my hopes up anymore. Uh, do you, Kevin, uh, so you, 
you, do you think that the coach – how much of a difference can just the coaching change make? Let's keep the personnel out of it, although I do think the personnel got, is going to be better than last year. Um, what what systems-wise is going to change that could make it better? I think there's two things that you're going to see that are going to make a difference. One is we, – we've talked about this before in seasons past. Stability on the offensive line is very important. The more you have the same five-man unit playing together – the more the pattern of success shows itself in the NFL. If you can just have the same guys playing over and over, that kind of sets a floor. And Solari seems like the kind of guy who can at least recognize who he wants to put out there. And the, not and not tinker? Yeah, he doesn't seem like the kind who needs to. If you look at seasons past, he's usually had a pretty stable offensive line when injuries were a non-issue. The other thing is, as we talked about, What's the one thing that Tom Cable proved he could coach? Uh, the chop block. Oh, yeah, chop that block. It is illegal. Yeah, illegal so blocks. So he has one thing that he can coach, and that is a technique that you can't use in the NFL today. That's bad. Solari has been coaching for two decades. He has an idea of what to do. He knows how to set up an offensive line. The Giants' offensive line has been bad. For numerous years, they brought him in to try and fix it. There were a lot of injury issues and personnel issues. He was saddled with a lame duck first rounder that he had to try and make something out of. Stop me if this sounds familiar. But the thing that you'll notice is when Solari's first season, they emphasized the pass and he had a really good pass blocking offensive line. That was what he wanted them to do and he was able to get them to do it. Last year, they had injuries all over the place, and it created a few more issues. So I think what you'll probably see is a lopsided offensive line, where maybe one side of technique is more emphasized than the other. Maybe you'll see a top 10 pass-blocking offensive line, and maybe like the 20th to 25th run-blocking offensive line. But I'd like to point out, that would also be the best pass-blocking offensive line that we've had since Pete Carroll showed up, and it would be an improvement in both pass and run blocking from last year. I also think that's very lofty, Kevin. I mean, I would love to see that. Are you kidding me? Uh, so we can talk about the pass You're like blocking. 25th last year. It will be it will be interesting to see where the how different this offensive line is under new leadership. Uh, the other side of the ball, um, the pass rush. The pass rush has been really, um, according to the reporters who are at training camp, the pass rush has been lackluster at training camp, to say the least. Um, injuries to Frank Clark and Deion Jordan have caused them to practice zero times so far. Um, That's a big part of it. Which is which is a big part of it. If we have to go into the season with Rasheem Green as our primary pass rusher or Brandon Jackson or whoever you think the top guy that's left is... Um, well, I'm just going to say it. I don't, I don't need to ask a question on this one. Guys, we're screwed. <laughs> uh, so so what, what what can the Seahawks do to to um, solidify this pass rush if those guys can't get healthy? Or is it just those guys get healthy or bust? Those guys need to get healthy. But if you look at the injuries that they're dealing with, I mean, I don't think you can really rely on Deion Jordan to stay healthy. But Frank Clark plays. I think that he's sitting out right now because this is the time he'll sit out. You know, he played through injury last year. He's played through injury throughout his career. I think if week one was next week, you'd see Frank Clark out there. Eric, do you uh, would you like to see the Seahawks pick up like a veteran defensive end that just to like, you know, make sure that we have somebody 
I can well, give you some. I can give you some names. Uh, you before want. you give me those names, I will say this: It looks like we still are probably not getting any comp picks. So yeah, throw those names at me. Uh, well, I mean, we could get uh, Dwight Freeney. Uh, he's who we again, cut last year again. He's, he's around. Uh, did it, I don't think anyone's got Charles Johnson yet, have they? No, I don't believe uh, so. Robert Robert Ayers. Anyone signed? I don't think anyone signed Robert, Robert Ayers. Ayers I think could fit here. I don't um, know how how. These are good. Pass rusher is a bit of a stretch. Ayers had a nine sack season. Like he's not like. When was his nine sack season? Like three years ago. Oh wow! Yeah, I think yeah. he could fit he here. I don't think new. he'd be, you know, game changer. It's not like I'm not saying like none of the guys left are good. Obviously, the best guy that's a that's a free agent right now that we could get is Cliff Averill, but um, something tells me that he's not coming not coming back. Here's that, the thing: Rasheem Green has it. future promise, and I think uh, Marcus Smith is actually going to have an improved year so i'm fine if we get one of jordan or clark back okay and i'm you just confident need, we would you just need one of those guys to be like the premier pass rusher. if we get one more. of those guys back for week one which i see no reason we wouldn't i think we'll have a functioning pass rush rotation and when the other guy joins in we'll have a plus pass rush rotation uh nathan i don't want to step on your toes here but ken norton jr will be handling the defensive coordinating yes yeah. Back. What is he going to be doing on the defensive line? D- doesn't matter. It's Pete's defense. I, I don't know. I, I That's kind of in my opinion about whoever we have at D.C. Is that uh, We're going to do a lot of rotating. Yeah. It's fresh bodies all the time. It's the same. Yeah, result. it's the same thing we've always done. But are we going to, like with no pass rush, does that mean we're going to fool around with more blitzes? Uh, we've talked about how good Bobby Wagner is blitzing. Uh what do we uh, think in that uh, in that front? I don't know, but Bobby Wagner's confident in himself. He, they, today after practice, he said, from the outside, maybe it's different because those guys are gone and you guys are looking for someone who is going to be that leader. Y'all ain't got to look. You looking at the guy right here, I will be that guy and we're going to be fine. So I, I don't I don't know. It's hard to build a defense around a middle linebacker, but if you're going to do it, Bobby is the guy. He, he's ask not, Carolina about that. He's not wrong about that. Yeah, that, that exactly. That guy gets hurt all the time and it screws him over. Okay. Yeah, but... <laughs> Bobby doesn't get hurt all the time. Final uh, uh, two, two more stories. Uh, Dominic Rogers Cromarty is uh, rumored to be interested in coming to Seattle, but but the Chargers are lurking as well. Uh, just give me a like. How excited would you be on a scale of one to ten to bring in a guy like Rogers Cromarty, who was a serviceable second corner last year? I would give it a sixty-seven on a one to one hundred scale. <laughs> it's an inside joke. Me and Kevin have started rating everything out of a hundred, yes. and uh, I get to hear what that is, and it's like, huh? That's you guys are funny. Uh, Eric, how about you? Would you would you be into that? I mean, last year he only started six games for a pretty suspect Giants cornerback uh, group. Uh, I think anything is probably an upgrade over Byron Maxwell. I would like to point out that you're kind of. I don't know. I think both of you guys are a little high on Byron because that's who we have. But come on, wouldn't you like to see him not play as much? Or maybe even rotate in, split some time at second corner. uh, Objectively, Byron Maxwell's measurables came out as serviceable. He was a solid cornerback. Uh, I think that that's what we're treating him as. If he is your second cornerback, he is neither a plus nor a minus. Yeah, he might be the 60th best cornerback in the league. Nah, it's probably worse because the star cor- so the nickel corners matter a lot more. He, he might be the <laughs> 90th best he, cornerback in the he league. He might be the 41st best outside corner in the NFL. Yeah, he's just he's okay. Uh, all it's right, fine. last last story: the Seahawks have informed Earl Thomas they will not be renegotiating his contract. 
Um, there's a, there's a popular like Seahawks Twitter conspiracy theory that uh, it's on. I've seen it on Reddit as well that the Seahawks just wanted him to show some leadership, show up, and they would have given him a new deal, which I do not buy for one single second. There's no way they're afraid that he's going to get hurt again and they're going to get hosed like they did with Cam because Errol has an injury history and Earl wants his money now because Earl has an injury history. Yep. They're at an impasse because of this injury history. Uh, do you think these teams will work? These players will work it out, or are we looking at a Cam Chancellor staying out till Week Ten type situation here? Eric, start us off. No, they're not going to work it off. No, work it out rather. I've I've stood by this position all off season. I love Earl. I got me an Earl jersey. I'm going to keep wearing that jersey until I don't feel like it. Um, Earl Thomas is my favorite Seahawk. There's no way he's coming back. I think it was probably the line in the sand was drawn when he went over to Jason Garrett last year. I mean that was really weird. We were that was at the moment where we were not going to make the playoffs. Um, it felt it felt really suspect. It, it kind of felt like a stab in the back as a fan, personally, just saying how I felt. I feel like that was the turning of... like you, Everything is about making a quarter turn in life. If you can change your attitude just a quarter of the way, big things can happen. And I feel like that was the quarter turn that made... that helped this exodus happen. And I'm shocked that the Seattle Seahawks won't renew his deal because... They've renewed everybody's deal, and that's kind of why we're in this position now. And I'm also kind of shocked at looking at Earl on that side of the ball where he, you know, he gets on Cam Chancellor's case about not reporting for camp, not being part of the brotherhood. And now there is no brotherhood, and Earl's not reporting to camp. It's uh, it's not going to happen. He's probably going to be a cowboy. I'm hoping that Eric Reed's still available. Rest in peace, Earl. Uh, Kevin, if we would have traded, if if the Cowboys would have been willing to give up like their first round pick for him, and we would have gotten, you know, maybe we trade back and we get, you know, uh, I don't know, Terrell Edmonds, would you have been happy with that result? Like, would you be like, okay, well, we got a, a young, talented safety here, or is there any way that for the Seahawks to replace the production we'd get from Earl Thomas? Uh, Earl Thomas is a very special player in our defense. He is, we've talked about it before, in a lot of ways, he's kind of the straw that stirs the drink. The way that he can play single high safety coverage allows us to get away with what we do with. I was going to say I was going to say straw that stirs the drink later in the podcast and say it was your favorite favorite saying, but but you ruined it. You said it now. <laughs> now I have to get mad about it. You can deal with it. Oh man, I was like Kevin's favorite favorite uh, saying: straw that stirs the drink. But you're right. You could still do it, but not be real awkward. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna, maybe I'll do it. It'll be a good. Don't callback. worry, I will do that later on just in like, a different podcast, and you can make fun of it for me then. Just act like Kevin didn't say it now. <laughs> okay. Anyway, yeah, you're right. Earl's a special player. He he changes the defense. He can cover single high and cover so much ground. There's not many many good tackling safeties who can run a four three forty and have the instincts that Earl does. The saving grace for this is since it's happening prior to the beginning of training camp. Unlike when he goes out in the middle of the season, we could start constructing our defense with that in mind. Because if we construct a defense that's functional without Earl over the top, then. If Earl comes back, our defense only gets better. Okay. Uh, so I think it will be better than when he when he goes out for injury, but it's not my favorite thing. I do think that this is going to be a more lengthy holdout. I'm hoping something can get done. Nathan, we talked about this before. What I can't figure out is why don't they just give him a two-year extension, so it's a three-year deal total, and guarantee his money for this year. I don't and know. And see if it makes him happy. 
I'm having trouble understanding what the Seahawks are thinking is going to happen with this. I think they want to set a hard line with third contracts. And they they got really hosed by third contracts. And they're just like, you know what? We don't give out third contracts early. uh, So here's what we're going to do. You know, and then this is what happens. Yeah, it's unfortunate because... It led to us losing Sherman. It's leading to us lo- probably losing Earl. Uh, yep, this is this is the price we paid for giving out. We gave out a couple bad third contracts, though. It's our yep. own fault. We we learned the hard way as opposed to like giving out a couple good ones. Uh, but okay, speaking of contracts, uh, let's go. Let's go to a little NFL news before we hit the uh, NFC West super tough in our NFC West preview. Uh, Stephon Diggs, five years. 72 million, 40 million guaranteed, 81 million max value. He has 9 million in incentives. Uh, is this, th- this, this is really an absurd. He's like now the third or fourth highest paid wide receiver in the NFL. He has never had a 100 catch season and never had a thousand yard season. Uh, can you guys help me understand? I understand Stefan Diggs is good, but how do you give 40 million in guarantees to a guy who's never even had a thousand yard season? Like, can you guys explain it to me, or am I am I like, am I okay to be like kind of like flabbergasted? Oh, by I this? I don't get it either. The only thing I do understand about it is that, you know, we looked at the the L.A. Rams and how they're probably going to have to blow up their team in a couple of years. They're going all in. Minnesota's going all in as well. Well, Minnesota has every good player on their team under contract for the next three years. Exactly. Smart. So they 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 they, they well, their offensive core is yeah. I think but everyone except for Anthony, isn't? every everyone except for Anthony Barr is basically re-signed. Oh dang! Yeah. Anthony That's Barr really and, Ky- and Kyle Rudolph, but they, a lot of people think Kyle Rudolph's going to get done. He's getting old. But is, but looking at Stephon Diggs' deal, this is where they're going to run into some cap space problems in a couple of years. Right. So I don't get it. So. This, these are the pl- so here's my counter. Their core is all signed: Diggs, Thielen, Rhodes, Griffin, Linval, Joseph, Harrison, uh, Cousins, Hunter, Kendricks. They locked all those guys up. Yeah, so. they're locked up through 2020, right? Yeah, and through the next this, next three seasons. Yeah, yeah. Tw- through 2020. So here's the thing: what keeps happening with these skill position players, especially in the passing game, is if you want to sign them after they have a big deal, you have to make them the highest paid player at their position. We've watched it happen with quarterbacks repeatedly. We've watched running backs trying to reach for those kinds of deals. So what I'm thinking that the Vikings are thinking is in with the offense trending the way it's going and with what they have as a perceived upgrade at quarterback, they think that Diggs is going to go off. This is going to be his 100-catch, 1,200-yard season. And with that being the case, they think they'd have to pay him even more if they waited until after next season. What are they paying Thielen? It's like Peanuts. this is this is like such a good deal for Stefan for Stefan Diggs. He's being paid like he already had his breakout season. The price break here is not significant. I'm pretty sure he makes more money than Julio Jones now. Uh, I would really like to shake the hand of his agent yeah. because Thielen, he did a really good job of basically going. This is what Thielen should be making in two years. Give it to him now. Thielen screwed up. Like he signed his extension and like four he signed four years, twenty million with ten million guaranteed at the end of 2016 so like he's only going to make like f- six million a year for the next three years which is ridiculous i'm if i was adam Thielen, i'd hold out to be honest with you you can't renegotiate though per the collecting your collective bargaining rules though right correct he can he can renegotiate for this season after this season yeah, yeah that's yeah. that's still after he's got i think he'll be looking to do that too yeah if, if i was him i would just be like uh yeah i'm not playing for five million dollars <laughs> it's not happening because it's just it's just ridiculous. Like he, he by in twenty twenty one he'll be thirty. Like he'll, 
he'll be going into his age 31 season. Like that guy needs to get paid now. It's not going to work out. So. Yeah, after this season, he'll have to do something about his pay. Yeah. Uh, all right. So that's that's the that NFL story, and I got one more. Are you ready? Yep. Browns quarterbacks Tyrod Taylor and Baker <laughs> Mayfield have acquired an RV, and they parked it here on the premises for training camp so they can have a top-secret clubhouse. Only QBs are allowed inside, and it does not have a name yet. They won't tell me or anyone else what goes on inside. Can I give you Eric, a better bit? Wait, Eric, wait, 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 wait. Eric, I just want your gut reaction though, right away. I just want to know what what is your what's your gut reaction? Then Kevin, add to the story. Okay. okay. So, what's your what's your initial reaction to that? I adore this. Okay. <laughs> Absolutely adore it. Okay, Kevin, add to it. So, when um, producers for Hard Knocks asked if they could go inside the trailer, Tyrod Taylor's response was, "It's a sacred place." Dude, I, I swear does it God, say no girls on the outside? <laughs> they're just playing Fortnite in there it's or something. It's so funny. <laughs> it's like some, so it's just like something so stupid. I just hope that there's like footage, like as they open the door, like you see one like Tyrod Taylor take off like a newspaper pirate hat. Okay, <laughs> I would, I would, oh, come there's on. There's just blanket forts. Yeah. And as far as, it's a giant <laughs> land. Okay, I've got, I've got some names for, for the, for the, for the, for the thing. Cause they don't have a name yet. Can we call so, it the PG 13 party boat? Nope. There's these are, these are your choices. You guys ready? We've got Johnny Vanzel, uh, <laughs> Vanny Testaverde, okay. uh, Tyrod Trailer, <laughs> yes. Winnebaker Mayfield. That's the winner. And then RV3. No, it's Winnebaker Mayfield. For me, it's RV3. RV3 is just so funny to me. RV3 is Vanny, Vanny Testaverde, you gotta, you got to pay respect to what came before. You know, there's no loser on that list. Yeah, our. Uh, did you know that? Speaking of RG three, did you know he he beat out uh, he beat out Lamar Jackson on the first version of the Baltimore Ravens depth chart? Yeah, which just proves to me the Baltimore Ravens have no clue what the fuck they're doing. All right, um, <laughs> but I, he's I, a running quarterback. Nathan. I seriously wanted to drop them down like two wins when I heard that. I was like, oh god, this is <laughs> this is not this is not good. I don't invest that heavily into first depth charts. Uh, but the fact I want to see what the practice reps are right now. Like the fact that they're saying like, oh yeah, we're just not that into. Lamar Jackson, or we're going to bring him on slow. Like, don't bring him on slow. The, your quarterbacks suck. Okay. Um, <laughs> well, they could just bring him on behind RG3, have RG3 start the season, and never get true. injured four games in. Four games, Kevin? Yeah. No, you're very, very giving. Not four plays, huh? Wow. No, four games. Kevin, Kevin real strong on RG3 They're this gonna year. They're going to wait until he blows out both his ACLs. All right, we're going to get into the mm. NFC West, what I consider to be one of the strongest divisions in all of football. The we'll national s- media apparently disagrees. Yeah, I do not. I do. I it will provide the number one overall pick out of this division. Yeah, some so there's. Oh. A, I've seen a lot of dumb stuff. In Got a lot of hashish. I think on. that what happened is that people do like this division, and then they're like, "Oh well, the Seahawks are going to be worse this year." So then they just like give every divi- us a ton of division losses. They're like, "Oh, the Seahawks go zero and six in division. Now they're horrible." But that seems like. <laughs> Real short-sighted to me. We'll anyway, get there. we'll get there. Rams <laughs> starting off. They were eleven and five last year and won the division. They added Nottam Kong Su, Brandon Cooks, Akib Talib, and Marcus Peters. They lost Sammy Watkins, Cody Davis, Tremaine Johnson, Connor Barwin, and Mo Alexander. Their draft. They traded all their good draft picks to get those guys that I listed in the ads part. Uh, Kevin, start us off. How do you feel about the Rams? I feel like the Rams are the kind of team where you're not going to notice the difference in the regular season. Ah. If you take a look at their results last year, as far as like their efficiency numbers, they were the number six offense, they were number six defense, they were number two in special teams, they are number two in DVOA overall. They could improve a little bit in their run defense. Maybe their pass defense gets a little bit better, it turns into a top five pass defense. If that ends up being the case, then you're looking at a team where their ceiling doesn't get that much higher in the regular season. I think this was a team where 
changes were made in order to make them playoff ready. They got Peters, they got Talib, they got Sue, they got Cooks because in a playoff game, they're going to be able to say our talent's better than your talent. What do you think, Eric? Aaron Donald, uh, Michael Brockers still doesn't have his contract. Aaron Donald. No, but uh, do you, let's let's talk about that right now. Do you think that? he's going to go into this year without a contract or not play for this team? I think that he'd be, I don't know, man. He's, he seems like they have to be willing to hold out. I agree, but do you think the Rams are going to let him do that? Because I, look the at, Rams look at, can't afford to do that. They already went all in on this season, so they obviously can't afford to not resign or not do something to get Donald to come in and play. Without, without doing any digging, no typing, do they have any money to give him now? Here's the thing about this Aaron Donald contract is that they're in this weird holding pattern where they're waiting for Khalil Mack to sign. And Aaron Donald's waiting for Climax to sign, and Climax waiting for Aaron Donald to sign, and neither of them wants to blink because they're going to get the two highest defensive contracts in the NFL, but they want them to be similar. So like they're just waiting. It's like a staring contest. It's like who will be the guy who signs first? Who's going to get twenty two percent of the cap? You know, who's going to get like, eight million yep, more? Right. So it's like, and, and then, then the guy who signs second is going to get an extra couple million. Right. Exactly. So they're just kind of waiting and waiting and waiting. Uh, the thing about this defense is that they they're really expecting to get all of their pass rush from the front three of their three four that Brocker Sue Donald combo. It ain't from the linebackers. And that's if sure. and if their their outside linebackers are not good. Uh, well, they're not bad, but they're not good. They're not pass rushers. They're just not. Yeah, they don't. I just think if you expect none of those guys to get 12 sacks, you're going to be disappointed. Okoronko might be able to provide some. We have to see. He's kind of a one-trick pony, but with that kind of pressure up front in a 3-4 defense, he could get a lot out of that trick. I mean, Ebu- like Samson Ebukum could get like 10 sacks if in like a very good season for him. Like he could get to 10. I like that this this team pillaged Eastern Washington. Like they have two <laughs> of Eastern's best players from 2017. Uh, but the... The thing is, the secondary is awesome, and if they can get Donald in here to, to play in this front three, like this is a really good secondary. I just think it's silly of them not to do it. And that front, that's, we were always talking about front four. That front three is insane. They've got some depth. Their cornerbacks are good. This is this is super team. I've, I've said it before, but the games between yeah, Minnesota, this, I, any any games Minnesota plays, any game the Rams play, it's going to be a fun game to I watch. I think the Philly's Eagles, the third Eagles leg of that. Too, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yep, those are the three this, stacked rosters. Their and, offensive line is like, they really put my one good offensive lineman theory to the test by bringing in Whitworth with a bunch of guys who I didn't love, and their offensive line got a lot better. They have a lot of um, okay offensive linemen. It's it's really Sullivan, weird when... Saffold, uh, Havenstein, they're, they're really okay. It's just weird how like when one really good player starts holding everyone else accountable, everyone gets better. That's what's, You see that happening in training camp with the Seahawks. Dwayne Brown's holding the other guys accountable, getting in their face and stuff. And like, well, Effetti had stuff a matters. lot of guys last year, and it didn't seem to help. That stuff matters when it's... He was a, holding the whole time. Yeah. So... Different kind? <laughs> oh. Uh, doesn't... Not the same? Okay. No. When, the, when this team has to sign Goff, they're going to get a lot worse. But as long as they have Goff on a rookie contract, they I think they'll be able to continue this this level of success. And we went through the same thing with, uh, with w- Wilson on his rookie contract. Even though they picked Goff a lot higher than we picked Wilson... Um, you know, like the most higher you possible, uh, the, the, <laughs> that you can still, you can, you still don't pay him nearly as much as you pay like a premier quarterback. Nathan, so. where are you at on Jared Goff? Jared Goff? He's, um, do you think he's fine? Do you think he's fine. above average? Fine is a good word to describe how I feel about Jared Goff. I know that's how, how Kevin this? feels. How about this? Alex Smith tier. The, the, oh, I like Alex Smith a lot more than Jared Goff. Uh, I think he's that in that tier though. If he's in the same tier as Jared Goff, that's a good tier. Like that's like 11th to 15th for me. Yeah, I, that's, that's where I have Jared Goff. Oh, I have Jared Goff. I have him right around like 15th. How many, let me put it this way. Their backup quarterback is Sean Mannion, and I do not think that the drop-off from Goff to Mannion would be 
as much as most people do. Wow. Is that how's that for like that's my, my that's take scandalous on but possibly true. Uh, like I don't think like one it's it's kind of a, a pro man. I'm pro Mannion. Like I think he's actually pretty decent. Uh, I thought he was a good college football player. And I like him. And then I'm a little bit anti golf. So I'm kind of meeting in the middle there where I think that that this would not be a huge drop off. Their wide receivers are great though. Uh, Cup Woods and Cooks is like a great first three, and Farrell Cooper is like a useful NFL player. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I just, no more Sammy Watkins. I like this. I like this team. Uh, you think they can get over the loss of Tavon Austin? <laughs> I was and, waiting. And you That's said why no, I just said Sammy you Watkins. You no more Sammy Watkins, but Sammy Watkins is a good football player. Sammy Watkins isn't heat. even a human. That's the thing. That's true. Uh, he didn't also, he doesn't look like a human now. They got rid of his dreads. I'm just gonna put that out there. I like his little <laughs> afro. It's cute. Okay. He didn't. He didn't fit. In, he didn't fit in well in this team. Where do we got the Rams, guys? I'm at 12 and four. <laughs> They still have Todd Gurley on this team, and unless he, uh, let's face it, this is a good segue too, has like some sort of massive injury that he might be due for. David Johnson, uh, I have this team at thirteen and three. Uh, I'm at eleven and five. Like I said, I don't think you're going to see it in the regular season. I think that talent is going to show up in the playoffs. Yeah, most of my uh, upgrade here is the fact that they get to play an easier, uh, easier division. I think that NFC West bottom feeders are not good. I don't like the Chiefs or the Raiders, so. That kind of gets them an extra win compared to uh, last year for me. Kevin's also very good. Uh, this is not this is not being uh, snarky. Kevin's been really good at not over picking records. You know he's 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 being level headed. Really about screwed all us picks. over last year because last year we were like fourteen and two, and then like nobody went better than twelve. <laughs> <before> last year. <laughs> now uh, everyone's gonna go fifteen and one. I'm gonna be like right exactly. Yes. This this year I was like way more. I'm metered about it. All my best teams are twelve and four. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, and do you guys want to do the Seahawks next, or do you want to save them for last? Oh, we're going to next. We have to keep in okay. order. Okay. Yeah. Seahawks went last year went nine and seven. Uh, they added uh, uh, Tom Johnson, Barkevis Mingo, Brandon Marshall, DJ Fluker, and Mo Alexander. They lost Sheldon Richardson, Michael Bennett, Cliff Averill, Cam Chancellor, and Richard Sherman. Yeah. Uh, they drafted Rashad Penny, Rasheem <laughs> Green, and Quim Griffin. Those are the top three I picked. Uh, I know there's actually a lot of rookies who could make an impact on the Seahawks roster. Well, there's one that's guaranteed to. Well, there's one that's guaranteed to if they make the team. Uh, oh, that's Michael Dixon. I, I believe you uh, mean punting Jesus. Yeah, he's pretty good. Uh, Jamarco Jones could is like a sleeper right now for me too. Like, Fact. Uh, I just like have he, he, good word out of camp and a Fetty sucks. <laughs> so, uh, sorry, Jermaine. I'm just kidding. You're fine. Uh, I want you to stop holding the the Seahawks right here. Nine and seven. Uh, a lot of people would say the Seahawks got worse. Eric, do you think the national narrative has gone too far on the Seahawks? Absolutely. I mean, some some Yahoo, and I will use the word Yahoo. Uh, said that we would have the number one pick in the draft. That's ridiculous. That's someone who doesn't know football. That's not even good writing. That's someone who's coasting on a Twitter account. I yeah, feel like the national media is playing a game of telephone, where it's like I heard that the Seahawks yeah, and it keeps were, going down and be down. slightly worse. And then they're like, "Well, I heard that the Seahawks defense was in a bus that fell off of a cliff." And they're like, "Well, I heard that the Seahawks moved to Oklahoma City." And <laughs> God no, uh, I'll say this that. There's uh, there's a lot of players lost. When you're reading that list, it got it got pretty disheartening to hear it. And the national media obviously just goes with hot names and the names they know. I mean, the national media did not know who Sheldon Richardson was last year. And look who he was for this team. So when the big names leave, Richard Sherman leaves, who you know was injured last year, Earl Thomas isn't playing. Yeah, it's not looking good that way. But it's a long season, and our offense, man, I got... I got nothing but stars in my eye for this offense. Yeah, well, I, one thing that bugs me is that 
So the the teams that had like the the worst record in the league that about that like tweet is that the teams that have the worst record in the leagues always have really shitty quarterbacks and like our quarterback is still Russell Wilson. Thank so, you. So it, it, there's like a floor for how bad this team could possibly be and it's probably 6 or 7 wins as long as Wilson is healthy. Like there's there's no way that the team is going to go below that just because Russell Wilson will keep them in football games. It's we've said this for years about Aaron our Aaron Rodgers. You know, oh, this team doesn't look that good around him, but he's really good, so the team will probably be fine. There's no reason we should not give Russell Wilson the same benefit of the doubt. I understand the Brian Schottenheimer signing is not exciting. I understand, but there's no way McCarthy's worse than Schottenheimer. I understand that. Or not worse. <laughs> yeah, Brandon, uh, Mike McCarthy sucks. Uh, do you know Mike McCarthy was like one of the only? Um, he's one of the only coordinators who coached like a, a last place. Uh, and then was hired as a head coach. Yeah, because he, yeah. wow. he, he was, was a, on that garbage for, uh, 49ers offense. Right, he was a 32nd ranked <laughs> offense and got hired as the head coach. Uh, the defense is and obviously really worse. Up to that here's, track record. here's my big thing about the Seahawks this year. If Earl Thomas plays, they are a fringe playoff contender. If Earl Thomas does not play, I have a hard time getting us past like eight or nine wins. It's just it's just hard for me to see how this team really works without without him and like so then we have like mo alexander and brad mcdougald or brad mcdougald and tedrick thompson as our safeties and it's just it's not going to be the same um but with everything you said about the offensive line getting better and everything you said about our uh you know our football jesus and russell wilson and the great doug baldwin and this a receiving core that isn't bad you don't think that we can become like that shootout offensive team no we have a better running game this year no you don't no why not because our secondary is, is going to get burned all the time. You don't want to be in games where the, it's fast-paced and it's throwing a lot. This team wants to slow it down and like hopefully not get burned all the time. Because the sec- like our second cornerback right now is Nico Thorpe or Byron Maxwell. Our safeties are going to be extraordinarily weak. Our pass rushers are injured and could be good or could be bad. I'm not sure yet. Uh, but our we, linebackers I mean, are great. Deion Jordan has a lot to prove as a secondary pass rusher. He still has not been healthy for a full season. I like the talent. The raw talent is there. But he's not stable. This this team is like a total mystery bag. And I, I can see why people get down on it because it's like, I don't know what I'm going to get. And so for me, like it's easy for me to just settle in the middle and say like there's upside here and there's downside here, right? Because I'm like a rational human being who can who can hold more than one thought in my head. Um, because <laughs> like, like I understand that this roster has potential. Like I would not be surprised if, if Earl comes in and we sign Dominique Rogers, Cromartie and we win 10 games, I'd be like, yeah, that that seems like a perfectly reasonable result to me. If Earl does not come back and we go nine and seven and sneak into that six playoff spot, I'd be like, yeah, yeah, that that's fine. We have the talent to do that. If Earl doesn't come back and the team goes like seven and nine, I'll be like, yeah, the defense was probably really bad or someone got hurt on the offensive line and just kind of fell apart. Like there's just. There's just a lot of mystery here. There's a lot of uncertainty. So there's a there's a there's a floor though that I think a lot of the national media is not respecting. Right, and it's it's Russell Wilson. If you, you respect Russell Wilson as a quarterback, you do not put less than six wins on this team. Like it's just not it's not happening. You you you're basically disrespecting the man. You're 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 really trashing his family. You know? Yeah, you're saying that uh, our team our team talent wise this year is as bad as the Jets talent wise last year. Yeah, it's and not. I don't know how you look at this roster and come to that conclusion. Um, hot takes, Kevin. It's all hot takes. That's basically it. It's it's basically gotten trendy to hate. So a couple of things I want to bring up. The first is one that you guys have gone over already. If you think about it, it's Averill, it's Bennett, it's Sherman, it's Chancellor, it's players that were considered the core of the Super Bowl run teams. It's also st- stability. Those guys have all been around for a very long time. 
is another thing to think about. Exactly. And when you're talking about losing core players, you're talking about changing the identity of a defense. When you change the identity of a defense, then it's exactly what you just said. It's unstable. We don't know what we're going to get. When you can't change that overnight. I'm ready for the mystery bag. Like The defense could be anything. But I feel like the offense, on the other hand, is not as much of a mystery to me. No. I feel like I know what we're getting on offense. Last year, we had the number 12 passing offense and the number 23 rushing offense. And that was the worst version of the Seahawks offense. That is as bad as it's going to get. I feel like a couple of players that were not mentioned, a big one was uh, Jaron Brown. I think Jaron Brown was actually a really subtly great signing. Yeah, it gives us. He's a, a really strong fit for what we want from an outside receiver. Right. Options when we when we because we like to spread out empty backfield too. It's something that you'll see the Seahawks do a lot. They run a zero set where they like don't have anybody in the backfield, yep. and he's perfect for that because he's going to get single coverage. Yes, and the other thing is, he has a really strong ability to run in a straight uh, line. <laughs> actually, that was him four years ago. Yeah, but he's still good at that. He's still really good at that. He's still a, uh, a plus speed wide receiver. But I think that a skill that he's acquired is he's shown an ability to adjust when the play breaks down, which is something that Russell Wilson needs in a receiver. He's shown that he can find the open spot on the field. He's shown that he can get into the place where maybe the corner moves just a little bit. And that's what we always talk about with Doug. That's what we talk about Lockett getting under him a little bit more the last couple of seasons. And when you have receivers that know how to do that, it really allows Russell to be Russell. And so I think this is a really good match as a receiver core. The other thing is, don't be surprised if Lockett takes a big step forward this year. We'll do a preview of the offense later on, and I'll talk about receivers a little bit more. But there's reasons to believe that this might be our best receiving core since Golden Tate left town. All right. Uh, Eric, do you have anything to add, or do you want to go to records? I mean, we're going to be previewing Let's, this team We're going to preview. Weeks. Let's go records. Yep. So, okay. Uh, I'll go first. I'm at 8-8 eight and, eight and right in the thick of a, of a big playoff hunt here. So... Um, but, but I have equal teams like the Saints, you know. So, like, I'm not – I mean, I think that we'll be decent. Eight and eight. We're in there. Yeah, I'm at nine and seven, just missing the playoffs. I'm at nine and seven. It's going to be strangely like Holmgren's first year because we're going to start by winning. Like, I feel like we're, this team's going to go seven and one. Actually, the yeah, our opening schedule, if we're without Earl, um, we certainly have a schedule where we could still win some games – Without Earl. I'll say this. If we struggle at the beginning of the season, it's not going to look good for the Seahawks. Like, I don't like the Broncos. I, 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 like, I don't like having to go to Denver, but I think we have a really strong chance against Chicago. It's an underrated Broncos team, too. People I think are really we're sleeping better on than the Cowboys. I think that we could still beat Arizona at home because it's possibly down to their third-string quarterback because the first two quarterbacks Apparently, are made out of, like, fine China. We're not a training camp is Mitch Trubisky China. not doing so hot. So uh, maybe the Bears will suck. I don't know. Okay, uh, next up we have the Arizona Cardinals. The Arizona Cardinals added just today Trey Boston, Benny Benokari, uh Benson <sighs> Mayo, Sam Bradford, Justin Pugh. They lost Tremont Williams, Avery Williams, the Honey Badger, Frosty Rucker, Kerwin Williams. They drafted Kristen Kirk, Josh Rosen, and Mason Cole. Kevin, you went first last time, right? So it's my turn? Sure. All right, Go for sure. It. Why not? Do it. Doug. I I think this team is pretty decent. It reminds me of of us where they're getting a lot of disrespect and I'm not hundred percent sure why this team went eight and eight last year with basically no quarterback. They added two good quarterbacks. Um, they have a lot of talent returning from last year. 
they didn't lose anyone that I think was completely irreplaceable um, by their current roster. They have Trey Boston, Antoine Bethea, and Buda Baker to play safety. They got Dion Buchanan to play that flex safety. Um, I don't love their corners. Uh, ben Wickery is a nice like addition, though, to give them three corners that uh, don't totally suck. Yeah, Buda Baker might be their slot, actually. Yeah, Buda, if yeah, Buda Baker plays in the slot, I, that's actually really good for them. They now should that they got, do that. If now that they got Boston, like, they can put Ben Wickery out wide and, and really, like, flex their muscle a little bit chandler jones is the best pass rusher in the league he broke that tackling sled did you guys see that video yeah it was fucking awesome dude he they like they like have this camera set up and then he goes with the tackling sled and he just hits it and it just like bends over and then breaks and i'm like that's a lot of force yeah, he's a bad man uh and if if like robert kimdichi makes the leap this year and like actually gives them any production this defense will be pretty good um a little light of wide receiver. I wish they had better wide receivers, but David Johnson coming back is 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 big time. Uh, he was like their best football player. I think this team is is decent to good. Uh, they're I think they're way better than the 49ers. Let me just say that. Uh, like people, anybody who's like, oh yeah, the Arizona is clearly the bottom feeder of this division, or maybe they think Seattle's the bottom feeder and this is the third best team. This team is good. Uh, I think that people should be afraid of this team. Uh, they they're not going to handle injuries well, but that's true of any NFL team. I don't like projecting too much for injuries. Um, the Bradford Rosen thing, like they they can play Bradford into the ground, and then once he breaks his leg or his leg falls off, like it always does, they've got the rookie there to, to give him a shot. It's it fine with me. Um, I like Arizona. I don't know, Eric. What do you feel about Arizona? So before Trey Boston, this it was a lot easier to go off of. Uh, let's just start with David Johnson. David Johnson was a huge cog in the machine for the Cardinals two years ago. Last year, someone didn't even bother drafting him in fantasy football because I was like, man, he got a lot of carries. He's going to get hurt. They're going to have him healthy this year. They're going to lean on him again. I think that's going to help keep Bradford healthy. I mean, uh, they played one game last year. I'll say this. Yeah, and that's when he got hurt. It was That's just heartbreaking, even if you uh, root against the Cardinals. They know, the Cardinals know that Sam Bradford is injury uh, injury is prone. He, I, I think injury prone is being kind. He's a walking red flag, okay? He can't stay healthy, but when he's healthy, he's he can add some depth to this team. That, and I don't mean like quarterback depth in the roster. I mean like depth in the game, in their passing game. They can give them something that they had with late season's Paul, Carson Palmer. I feel like this team has the chance to steal... Uh, steal a playoff spot, not steal the division, but they also have a chance to go six and ten. Oh yeah, it's like it's like our team a little bit, where it's a little bit of a mystery it's, bag. It's really like a mirror, but in some ways, I'd rather have their outlook. Here's one thing: is all their players showed up to camp <laughs> ready to play. <laughs> That's one thing uh, I liked. I believe David Johnson's holding out for a contract. Uh, David Johnson came came back. Okay. He's, he's, he he has reported. I'll say this though: with so. Trey Boston added to their safety mix, that allows them to move Buda Baker down into the slot. Which you know, uh, 16 months ago, I was like, man, I want the Seahawks to draft Buda Baker. That would be great. Eric knows nothing about drafting Buda Baker. Probably not great at safety. Fits in well in that slot role and. I don't know, man. This team looks a lot better on defense. That's my take on the Cardinals. Yeah. All right. uh, allow me to be the wet belt blanket in the room. Uh, I do not believe in this team. They have five starting offensive linemen who get injured constantly. Uh, DJ Humphreys ended up on IR. Mikey Potty's ended up on IR multiple times. AQ Shipley got hurt, and he's not even that great. Uh, Justin Pugh got hurt for the Giants. Andre Smith just isn't very good. Uh, I don't believe in this offensive line at all. They have Larry Fitzgerald and 
Bryce be careful. Butler, I guess. Be Christian, careful. Christian Kirk, dude. They're praying that Christian Kirk is better than just a slot receiver in the NFL. This is a guy the Seahawks really, really liked, Christian Kirk. Yep. He better be able to play outside, though, because I think Larry Fitzgerald pretty much owns that uh, And I don't know crease. if Christian Kirk can play outside in the NFL and get a good release. I think if you press him, it's going to be a lot of trouble. I have big questions. I think J.J. Nelson is really good at dropping footballs and really good at running fast in a straight line. And those so are good. the two things that he's good at. I think that you can generally expect Mike Glennon to get at least one start this year because they have two injury-prone quarterbacks, and that hurts. You really think that's likely, Kevin? Not possible, uh, likely. Sam Bradford will get injured. Josh Rosen will probably get injured. Rosen gets hurt. It's a thing, especially as a rookie, especially with a bad offensive line. Uh, they have Chandler Jones to provide pass rush, but I don't really like anything else in their front seven that much. Dan Buchanan I consider to be a defensive back. Uh, but they but they play him straight up as a linebacker. They don't even mess around with that anymore. Like so, then I guess I, I like Deion Buchanan in their front seven. Yeah. Uh, Hassan Riddick, I need to see something out of. I like his talent. But Al Holcomb was a linebacker coach for Carolina. I don't really like how Carolina ran its defense the last few years. I'm not really sure how good of a fit he is since Carolina's defense de-emphasized corners and corner. They have Pat Pete, and it's kind of a big thing. The whole offense was built around their head coach. And their head coach is gone. Uh, they have Mike McCoy, who's been just oh so great in the AFC West. And by oh so great, I mean crappy. I just, I don't know, man. Like, I'm glad you guys believe in this team, but I don't see it. I have this team at 6-10. and 10. I have them at 9-7, and seven and they're my last, last playoff team. Another thing, too, Kevin, is I'm a big fan of quarterbacks coach Byron Leftwich. No, that sounds like, that was a joke, but that he really is a quarterback. He's really going to help people out in not having a hitch in their throw. Yes, in the in his the left hand. The biggest wind mental, up I've ever seen in my mental life. Game. He has to he has to think so far ahead because of how big his wind up is. Think right. about <laughs> that dude could read the field like nobody's business. You know you're a good quarterback when David Garrard beats you out. Oh, uh, hey man, he made David Garrard look like a starter. I have the Cardinals at eight and eight simply because I want to put this team at five and eleven. I also want to put this team at 11 and 5 kevin i really think your points about the offensive line are justified but i do want to point something out and this is nfl wide we're always worried about our offensive line as we should be but look at the seahawks pass rush last year how great it was and how sometimes we couldn't get to the quarterback and we'd say that's holding that's holding in every nfl game there is an evening of the of the playing field okay so no team, they're not going to let any team get 11 sacks in a game unless the refs are being total dicks. But it only takes one to injure these two quarterbacks. This is true. This Maybe is true. with the same one. But this is this is for our division. I'll say this. <clears throat> Sam fact- Bradford tackled out of bounds into Josh Rosen. <laughs> Both out for the season. I'm, I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm just saying don't be surprised if it happens. With the teams in this division, watch their pass rush to be kind of similar throughout the season. I think the numbers will be really high for players, but as you look against different teams, the pass rush isn't going to look all that different. Maybe that's a dumb thing to say, but it's just what I've seen. I follow. I got, I got you. Um, all right. Let's go to the last team in the N- NFC West. It's the San Francisco 49ers, who last year went 6-10, and 10, finishing the season on an absolute tear with undefeated, and 0, undefeated touchdown, touchdown god Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, James 
He would have won that game against the Seahawks if he had started. Uh, so they added Jarrett McKinnon, Richard Sherman, Corey Toomer, Jonathan Cooper, Weston Richburg. They lost Eric Reed, Tank Carradine, Aaron Lynch, Brandon Fusco, and Carlos Hyde. They drafted Mike McClinchy, Tavares Moore, and Dante Pettis. People are high on the 49ers, Eric. Are you as high on the 49ers as everyone else? No, because I am friends with the two men in this room. That's one thing. I do a podcast with the two men in this room. Also, uh, two words, Carlos Hyde. I do not, I, I can pin all my hopes or my lack of hopes on the 49ers on one man, and that is the loss of Carlos Hyde. He's always hurt anyway. It, he doesn't. It, <laughs> so, so the word is that they, they, got, rid, they got rid of him because, because uh, they, Jer- Jarrett McKinnon's a better fit for what they want to do. They, they want to. They want to throw to their running backs, and Carlos Hyde can't catch. They want to throw to their true. running backs. Carlos Hyde can't catch. That's true. And they want a running game of two and a half yards per carry, and Jarek McKinnon just fits so much better. They, they got just, Matt they Breda. They really want a backup running back. This is this is a big uh, nod to uh, executive producer Brett Hancock. Today in the group thread, he said something about uh, because Jarek McKinnon is so much better than Carlos Hyde. He's just and that, different. It, no, no, no. He's just not good. That's the point. Like Brett was trying to make, and I'll make now. It's there's no way you can replace Carlos Hyde with Jarek McKinnon and tell me that the running game is going to be better. James Garoppolo and but, Jimmy Garoppolo. But Jared McKinnon had like five yards of carry three years ago on 52 carries. Exactly. Yes. There's no way this team's going to grow that high, especially with Kevin pointing out when Richard Sherman signed that he's probably going to have not that great of a season. This is the growing year of the 49ers. They will experience growing pains, and uh, James Garoppolo may actually pull his groin on top of that. Uh, okay, let me let me just talk about this offense. I The offensive line's all right. They got good tackles. Uh, but the running backs, like what? Is Jared McKinnon supposed to be the Devonta Freeman, and then Matt Breda is the... Is the uh, oh, don't even is, start on Matt Breda. That's, is the... Uh, um, what's the other guy? Uh, the... De- Tevin Coleman? Yeah, Tevin is, that, Coleman. is that really what they're trying to do? Because it seems like it, and that's awful. He's like a poor uh, man's Mike Allstott, but a Lindale retired White. Mike Allstott. I really like Marquise Goodwin, but then I don't like any of the other wires. He was like, Garcon is past it. Uh, I, I think Dante know. Pettis could come in and be a decent slot receiver, but that's still not a great receiver core. And, then, and, and then, relying on rookie wide receivers is a And bad here's the idea. thing about the defense. That secondary, though. That, that secondary. I mean, if Sherman is not great... This secondary is going to be on the struggle bus. You know who's not going to be great? Sherman probably because he's coming off a really serious Achilles Sherman injury. is going to get beat deep all day, and I don't see the safety is going to help him over the top. No. And with his that a big Jaquiski Tart fan, Kevin? He's all right. Jaquiski? Jaquiski Tart? That's, a, cool That's a fake name. That's the real name. Uh, yeah, they. I like their front four. Like Armstead and Thomas and Buckner is a really good, uh, like, we can get after the passer group. Uh, but Ruben Foster is good if he can stay on the field and not get arrested. Um, but impossible. Big if. But yeah, I mean, I mean, I just, I just don't get what the hype train is for this team. I, I think like eight and eight is the ceiling. You know how the reporters are going after the Seahawks, saying that you know they're going to be one of the worst teams because their offensive line is so repetitive and they don't have any good players and they're all gone because we forgot about Russell Wilson. It's the flip for the 49ers. They're like, ooh, Richard Sherman, he's good. Remember. Which he hasn't been in a year. And Ooh, he's coming Western off an injury. Richburg, he played in New York, thus he must be great. And James Garoppolo, he's very good. He he won all the games he played for the 49ers last year, which is also not true. He's never lost a start. And uh, he's a Belichick boy. All right. Um, let's just close this up. I don't want to talk about the 49ers anymore. Seven and nine. 
Ooh, you have eight and eight and seven and nine. Yeah, six and ten. Ooh, repeat of last year. I like that. Go. I just think that they'll be slight, at least slightly better because they'll have a full season of a real quarterback. But it's it's not like a great roster. I'm not like crazy about it. Kyle Shanahan's a great coach. That's the biggest thing they have going for them. They need two it's, defensive backs, a safety and a corner, and they need another well, piece on offense. Well, they have a, safe, a they had a running safety, back. but they just won't resign him for some reason. Right. Uh, they either need they either need a better running back to be the primary running back, or, or they need a better complementary receiver. Yeah, they need a number one wide receiver, yep. like a real number one, not Pierre Garcon. I actually think it would be in their best interest if they go six and ten. That's going to be better for them because they'll be able to make that draft pick. So conspiracy theory, uh, I think that's why the Browns um, kept Hugh Jackson is that he'll suppress their win total by just a little bit, and they can get one more good draft pick before the team is actually ready to be oh, a playoff team. Trust the process. Yeah, I'm like, it's like a he's like a sleeper agent where he's he's like causing the team to lose on purpose. They're like, our defense is really young. This Let's is give it one more what year. Sashi Brown died for. Uh, okay, so uh, yeah, um, so I have Our Lord and Savior. So Sashi do we Brown. all have two teams getting the playoffs out of this division, or is it just nope. me? It's just me, right? It's just you. Yeah, I have the Rams and the Cardinals and the Seahawks just just out. That the Cardinals finishing last, ladies and so gentlemen. That's... That summarizes this division. 17, 17th week, I think that Cardinal-Seahawks game at home in Seattle is like a huge game. Like a playoff-deciding game. So just, really? Just, uh, just just so you know, like that's I think that, that game will decide who makes the playoffs. Here's the thing. I, th- I agree with the ceiling you have for Arizona. I just really, really doubt their ability to get to their ceiling. I don't... I don't, I don't like this... This uh, division has a lot of mystery bags. Yeah, like, it's going to be really interesting. Uh, this should be an interesting one to watch. If Earl Thomas comes back, though, put the Seahawks right in the playoffs for me, just so you guys know. I want, I want it to be known. I'm changing it up to like 10 and 6 if, if Earl's coming back Yeah, right away. It's it's two wins immediately for me. Um, all right. We're, we don't have a lot of time for movie clubs, so we're going to change gears from what we planned before, guys. And we're just going to talk about a movie that I know we've all seen that we all like. Okay. So that way we can get it get it done. You got money zone decent money. Oh, we got to talk about the money zone. Oh, dang it! All right, here we go. Money zone. Uh, if you want to support the Seahawks Nest podcast, you can head over to Patreon.com/slash/SeahawksNest, and for a little as one dollar and twenty four cents a month, you can show us that you care about this podcast. <laughs> um, we have many, uh, many. Oh, during the season, we post our gambling podcast. We will have our picks straight up, not against the spread, straight up picks for the season. Also, we will be picking one uh, of. Each we'll each be picking a fan duels lineup every week, or maybe we'll pick a different website. Depends on who gives us the most money uh, of those <laughs> of those uh, internet gambling sites. But uh, we'll, on which we'll be we picking a daily fantasy sports lineup for the weekend, and then seeing how we do on that too. Uh, I know I'm a little experienced in daily fantasy sports, but I don't think either of these guys have done it. So Are we going to give you journey. money, and we're going to invest it and see how nope. we do throughout the season? We can do that if we want. Kind of like fun. Okay, fine. We can do that. We can all put in like ten bucks. All right. Uh, so let's just give a big shout out to our patrons though that are ready for that regular season content it's forrest lucas carrie mike david keith arthur frank tom michelle josh brett augustine brian william russell kevin cody kimberly and nick and forrest provided us with that movie we're gonna get on that this month we have two movies that forrest wants us to watch we're gonna i think uh i've seen one of them so i kind of want to watch one i haven't seen I, don't know, I think uh, we should just do both. But we could just do both. We could We're going to do an header. extended movie I'll club this, and one talk of, about both One movies. of those movies like is going to make me cry. So I don't know if I... <laughs> if anybody who knows my my movie watching habits is going to know like I don't I don't like to cry. He's going to watch that one alone. <laughs> it makes me sad. You don't have to rewatch it if you don't All right. Mean. Anyway, let's get let's get right down to business. The movie club movie for this week is something Oh yeah. Wait. Now nah, I'm not going to do the rest of my zone. Who cares? We're running out of time. Uh the 
Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. <laughs> wow. So I just thought, remake. Uh, you know what? Yeah, they're, they're, they're making a sequel soon. Uh, they've announced it. Uh, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. We can talk about Bogus Journey as well, if you'd like, which I think is a criminally underrated film. Uh, yes. I like it more. Not as bad as I people too, give Kevin. it credit for. Uh, so let's talk about Bill and Ted's, guys. What do you, what do you think? Uh, I think it's a I think it's a very self-aware movie that people like to have a revisionist history to pretend like it didn't realize how stupid it was being. This movie was parodying itself the entire time. It could not be winking harder at the camera. And people look back on it like it's taking itself seriously. And it's like, how can you look at the every rose has its thorn running gag and go, <laughs> yeah, this movie doesn't know what it is. Yeah, that movie is extremely dumb, but it's very smart in its dumbness it's a clever movie and it works and it has keanu reeves in maybe his finest acting performance <laughs> yeah well, he's george not carlin in his finest acting performance it, george carlin what about like in the second one like uh, william sadler as death like oh the... so good <laughs> that's a great character don't actor. patronize me <laughs> they, they give him a, they give don't him a, overlook my butt they escape. I work out every day you know, and reaping my burns butt. a lot of calories do you like how they escape death too yeah <laughs> they just give him a wedgie which is a that's a the playing a game that's a takeoff on a classic silent film yes uh, I can't remember the name of it but cheating death might be it but either way it was a uh, another example of a smart dumb movie I love these movies and I can't wait for the third movie what do you think they're going to do in the third movie? Idiot, like, idiot. Okay, so this movie has been in the works for like 20 years, and I've read up on it uh, over the last five years, and it's being written by Alex Winter, uh, Bill, as you may know him in the movie, the not Keanu Reeves. It's called, Bill, it's called, it's called Bill and Ted Face the Music, right? Yes. And basically the they have this of Wild idea that all the love has died down. Uh, George Carlin's character has, uh, I think, died. And that's kind of caused them to live these normal lives. Ted Logan is still living at home. Uh, disappointment to his parents. And that's what I know about it. It seems pretty cool. They're like middle age, So it's right? like midlife crisis, Bill and Ted. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're just going this off their real ages. This is massively intriguing. Yeah, so. it's, it's going to be interesting. And they obviously, they're going to have some sort of MacGuffin that they have to come together and face. And they have to time travel for some reason. Uh, what, okay, what's your favorite Bill and Ted gag from any of the movies? Mine is when he goes back, when he meets himself back in time, and he just goes, what number am I thinking of? <laughs> 69. It's so Whoa. stupid. It's so uh, stupid. How about when the, uh, how about when the t- uh, Ted robot does the same gag wow. in the second one and tricks him with it <laughs> yeah. in order to neutralize him so they can kidnap the princesses? The evil Bill and Ted robots are so funny. <laughs> it's so dumb. Movie, it's all so dumb. about the... The evil Bill and Ted yeah, they're, they're gonna time travel one-upsmanship. They're gonna yes. blow, they're gonna blow the, uh, the the Wild Stallions concert so they don't save the world, man. Exactly. Look for the third movie. You know it's gonna have massive cameos with the greats of uh, of the past. Oh, there's look for that. Some, there's gonna be some. Uh, I think there could be some green screening of prior Bill and Ted scenes back into it. I could see them taking the time travel one-upsmanship where they have to time travel into their time travel loop. George Carlin will probably make an appearance. Yeah. My favorite gag, it's a circle K because that was the dumbest <laughs> thing. That was just the dumbest thing. Strange things are afoot at the circle K. <laughs> what a stoner thing to say. What a stoner thing to say. Oh, man. Oh, I kind of forgot about that. Uh, There's an animated series too, but I've heard it's not that good. It is not good. No, it is not. Um, my favorite 
running gag throughout the entire first movie is how no matter what happens, they have no idea how history works. Like, they are clearly jumping through history, not understanding what's happening in every time they land in, and just totally screwing it up. Yet, Kevin, like, they that was a great running gag. They still get an A. Yeah, but uh, the their other, presentation is great at the end yes. of the movie. Uh, by the way, the other thing that I really like is so in great. the second movie. So great. Yes. I Mi- still say so great because of that. Mr. The Kid. Mr. The Kid. Uh, when Napoleon gets treated as a small child at the water park. Yes. <laughs> but he still has so much fun. Ziggy piggy, ziggy piggy. Idiot, <laughs> idiot. Um, oh, yeah. What about Genghis Khan? Too? <laughs> uh, Joan of Arc was played by one of the... Uh, one of the Go-Go's. Oh, Joan yeah, of Jane Wideland, so yeah. good, yes. too. Uh, and then any scene with uh, Death in... Yeah, uh, he I, stole the show. Death the was one. amazing in Bogus Journey. No, uh, the guy but, who played Beethoven is dead. Oh. But my favorite gag in all of uh, the second movie was when they're following, when they're falling, like, dude, this is a totally deep hole. Do you want to play 20 questions? Sure. <laughs> Are you a mineral? Yes. Are you a tank? Oh. Or, <laughs> dude, if I die, you can have my album collection. Or you can have my Megadeth collection. Dude, we're already dead. Well, then I guess they're yours. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so many bad, dumb jokes in those movies. I love them. All right. So for Kevin, for Eric, we watch Bill and Ted. Tell us why we are wrong. Uh, the second one has Pam Greer in it, too. Don't forget. Uh, <laughs> we'll, see, we'll see you guys next week. Go Hawks. Good time, bro.